I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we look at some challenging ideas. Yeah. And then rather than be uh, confronted by them, or unfollow, scared, scared yeah. run away. Yeah. We, uh, we listen to them. We sit and engage. We sit and engage. So that's that's the purpose. We're, we're live currently on Instagram Live. Yeah. So if you want to engage with us, be a part of the show, you can join in, you can send in any questions. Today, we're chatting live with a man named David. But David, you're like, who's David? Yeah. You may have heard of the Naked Pastor. David, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, guys. Good to be here. The Naked Pastor, it seems like maybe a controversial figure to some, maybe a helpful figure to others. And so we've brought him on the show so we can discuss some of these controversies and try and understand the person behind the idea. Because what we found, Cam, is that ideas without context divide people. People are tribalized by different ideas. Oh, who do you vote for? Well, you're over there and we're, yeah. we're part of separate camps. Yeah. But and I don't like you or I'm scared of you. or Exactly. Yeah. But when you take an idea and put it back into context, that's when people start to make connections because the context is always a person. Yes. When yeah. you understand the person, then you understand how they came to that idea. Yeah. And even if you don't agree, it's not the point. I don't yeah. care. And the idea is not even as scary if you understand the context. Like it's, it's not, not nothing to be afraid of because you can understand how the person's arrived to that position and it's okay. So that's the purpose of the show for people just joining us. The, the purpose of the show is we're not afraid of any ideas. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of your idea, <laughs> uh, even if I don't agree, because that's not the point. The point is to understand. So if anyone listening live, you can be part of the show. You can ask us some questions, yeah. ask David some questions, and we can begin to understand a different perspective. So let's get into it. Uh, David, we like to begin with where everybody starts. When people meet other people or come across ideas put out there by other people, we make assumptions and we make quick judgments. And so we're going to save everybody the time and effort and we're just going to jump straight into the assumptions and judgments. We're going to box you for them. (laughs) So so just sit tight while we throw some labels at you. You don't allow any nuance. It's yes or no ants. And for those unfamiliar with the work of The Naked Pastor... Uh, I was going through uh, your Instagram, David, and I was looking at some of your fantastic satirical cartoons. Is that what they are? Is that the technical term for them? (laughs) That's a nice way to put it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Cam and I are going to, we're going to describe some of your cartoons to the listeners because it's a mainly auditory show. Yeah. (laughs) And and then uh, after looking at these cartoons, we're going to start doing some judgments on you. Okay. it's not what we think. We're just saving everybody the trouble because it might be what they think. And then in a simple yes and no, you can say, oh, yes or no. And okay. we'll give you a right of reply later, but not yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So here, here we go, everybody. So get get your trigger pants on yeah. if, that's, if that's an item of clothing that you have. And the first cartoon I'm looking at, it's Jesus. He's looking like a very handsome Jesus. Uh, he's Slightly standing, gaunt though. Yeah. A bit, bit skinnier. Uh, he's standing in front of a marijuana leaf. And he's yeah. smoking a joint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there's that one. Yeah. Cam, do you want to describe this yeah, next so one here? Yeah. So we've got a little, uh, we've got a little sheep pen and a whole bunch of sheep. Looks like they're having a nice game of soccer or or something like that. Yeah. Um, football. 
Um, and there's a guy, a little sheep at the gate, and he's saying, of course, uh, we welcome you. You just can't play. So there's a little sheep who's trying to get in, and he's uh, he's rainbow-coloured. So oh, he's a multicoloured sheep. Yeah, yeah. So and he's, he, he's different, so he's not allowed okay, to play. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Very thought-provoking. Now, if that wasn't obvious enough, this next one, there's the Holy Ghost. It looks like a ghost. Yeah. There's a fatherly long white beard, Jesus. <laughs> With and a then, walking stick. And then there's a handsome Jesus. Yeah, yeah. God has a walking <laughs> stick. And they're holding a sign. And in very rainbow colors, the sign says gay pride. Yeah. And they're in front of a whole crowd of people in their underwear or swimwear yep. or colorful clothing. All having a great time. I think they're leading Mardi Gras. I think so. I think, I think <laughs> that so. one's obvious. Um, all right, this next one for yeah, you, this, this one's Yeah, um, this one will... Um, get people a bit riled up, I think. So there's a, a church with with the cross, the cross on the steeple of the church, um, four big wheels, and it's just like mowing people over, <laughs> blood going everywhere, <laughs> and it's got a sign on the back of the church. How's my driving? Question mark one eight hundred. I don't care. Wow, that church, that church is is doing some damage. Yeah, church is um, doing damage. All right, this this is great radio. Just us describing cartoons, <laughs> yeah. but I'm actually having a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> So, so here's this one's a, a little bit more subtle. There's um a whole bunch of it looks like Jesus's disciples, or they're oh, all yeah. all men with beards, and they're all like maybe twenty of them all gathered in a mass. And then there's three women standing separate. And then down the bottom it says, "So, ladies, thanks for being the first to witness and report the resurrection. We'll take it from here." Yeah. So it looks like the crowd of men are like, "Ladies." Yeah. Take five yeah. for the next We've for the next now. two thousand years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're good. You're on the back seat. <laughs> All right. Just no, this a, this one I like. Just this, a couple this, more. Yeah, we've only got a couple more, but this this is a great one. So we've got setting the stage is the pearly gates, and they're not quite so pearly. They're just like a standard picket fence, um, which is quite cool. And we've got we've got a dude trying to get in. Um, what you're saying is not going in there with any of those homosexuals. And then you've got St. Peter over there on the other side there saying, who said you were going in there? <laughs> oh, so all, the, all the homosexuals are in heaven. Yeah. Ha- and, having and a great time on the inside of the pearly gates and, and, and the Christian doesn't even want to be a part of it. Yeah, this is, I feel like I, I'm just triggering, as many, we just triggering as many people as we can and I'm okay with that because <laughs> we're just going to keep listening and learning. All right. Yeah. Uh, just two more. Um, there's a um, there's a man really oh, yeah, trapped in a box with bars, but the box is is shaped like a church with a cross on top, yeah. and he can't move. He's just jammed in there, and he, and he's looking really miserable. He's like hunched over, and then there's a man standing outside the box, looking down at him, saying, "What do you mean you want to be free? You're free to do whatever you want in there." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, so that's, a, that's good a good one. I like that one. Um, okay, last one. This is the last one. We've got. We've got a book of theology strapped to uh, like an old gurney, like an old... Um, psych ward looking yeah, thing. Yeah, psych ward looking thing. And there's everyone sort of standing around theology. This I think there's a police police officer and yeah, a nurse. Yeah, yeah, And a nurse. And the nurse is saying, uh, we had to restrain him. He was hurting a lot of people. So the little, the little theology book was, was hurting people. Oof. So I had to put mm, some restraints Very interesting. On him. It almost looks like a Bible, but I'm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's up for interpretation. So... David, this, this is this is some of the stuff you've been doing. We're yeah. we're flicking through your Instagram. We're saving everyone the time and effort. We're going to throw some assumptions about you 
based on this. It's, it might be what people think. I don't know. If, if, yeah. And and you can play you can play along at home if you have any assumptions. If you're not familiar with David or know him personally, or his work. Yeah. What are some assumptions you have? Because let's face it, we all have them. Let's yep. just get them out in the open, and then we can debunk ba- based them. on the eight. Um, <laughs> yes. little comics yes. that we just shared with you I'm sure there's going to be some people who have all riled up about it so, <laughs> so I um, I, re- I, I explained that comic the comic of the, the disciples and the three women pretty much saying women alright take five it's, it's men from here so David you sound like a feminist is that true yes or no yes oh, <laughs> one from one yeah, alright Cam you're up so far alright so that was easy you- <laughs> <laughs> Going again, going off all of these things, They're you know, Christian like, targeted, eh? Yeah, Chris, fairly heavily um, critiquing the Christian um, ethos or religion. So you must be a bitter ex-Christian, and you're now an atheist. Yes or no? No. Ooh. Well, it it, it, okay. it uh, no 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 oh, no nuance okay. not yet. <laughs> no. Nuance <laughs> comes later. Nuance soon. Nuance soon. Not yet. <laughs> um, so. Okay, well, that's not true, but uh, you, you surely must be lost and now leading other people astray. Yes. Oh, <laughs> okay. We definitely need to get into that. Yeah, later. yeah, well, that sounds like a really good conversation right there. Yeah. Okay, so we've had a lot of, um, there's, there was a lot of, in the cartoons that we shared, there was a lot of um, stuff around um, gay pride and, and gay uh, support and, and stuff like that. So are you in any way gay or you know, differently gender, no. transgender or anything like that. No. no. Okay. okay. Might right. be an assumption some people had. Yeah. Uh, Jesus smoking weed. You're in Canada. It's legal. You're obviously a regular pot smoker. No. <laughs> oh, I, right. I, 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 I'm not even an irregular one. I don't smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> so not at all. No. Not at all. But I'm That's not, a hard I'm, not no. a, yeah. I'm not against it at all. No. I just don't, okay. yeah, right. I just don't you, like it. You're Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so enough. you're you're a hard no because you yeah. enjoy. It. Okay, all right. But okay, but with a name like Naked Pasta, even though you don't smoke weed, you're obviously a hippie. <laughs> I uh, yeah okay. <laughs> all right, I didn't wear that one. Wear okay. it with pride. <laughs> okay, so you know, in the age of of how of clickbait and things, and where where hey, uh-huh. we're no better than anybody else with this. <laughs> yeah. um, you're clearly just doing this. To make money, like the more controversial, yeah. the more clicks you get, the more money you get. That's your only motive, just to just to get. It's money. All about cash for you. Yeah. No, no. All right, hard no. Easy one. All right, I, last, I, one. I, I, last one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it in a second. Okay, this is the last one. The last one is you're obviously you don't care how Christians feel. Like you're you're just in there. You're like a bull in a china shop. You're just going in, <laughs> breaking stuff up, and you just don't give a stuff about anyone. Like you just don't care. No, I, I do. Yeah, I right. do care. True. I do. Yeah, okay. Cool. So yeah. a lot of assumptions yeah. there have been very disparate. We got yeah. we got a couple. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously some nuance and some debunking needed because yeah. you know we we don't really understand where you're coming from based on our poor assumptions there. <laughs> yeah. So now our our clickbait was with this was uh, what was it the naked pasta? I think it's your tagline: naked pasta graffiti's religion on yes. the walls. Graffiti on the walls of religion. Right. Um, do you just want to talk to us, um, about that? Okay. Talk to us about your work, your cartoons, what your aims What's, are, yeah, what mm-hmm. started it as much time yeah. and nuance as you yeah. like. Yeah. And you can start, you can pull some of those assumptions apart as well. Cause there was a few yeah. things in there that were quite interesting. So, so 
the reason I started the Naked Pastor blog, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on. The, the reason I started Naked Pastor, and I called myself Naked Pastor, way back in, I think, 2006 or something, was because I, I was a pastor of a church at the time. And I wanted people God. to see the real life of a pastor. I wasn't going to go out there and be completely honest and vulnerable and transparent and authentic. I was going to just put it all out there. I was going to pull back the curtain and let people see what really goes on in the life of a pastor. So uh, I was going to talk about my joys and my struggles and my doubts and my fears and my frustrations and the difficulties with people and, you know, all these kinds of things and just be honest about it. And um, so the, in order to do that, I kind of had to share my story. So it's kind of a, you know, autobiographical unwrapping, unraveling of my journey. And I still am that way. So when people say, you're angry, well, sometimes I am angry. And I, I'll admit, yeah. I'll admit when I left the yeah. ministry and I left the church that I was angry for a while. And that's legitimate. Um, when, when, when people get accused of being angry for you know, leaving the church or whatever, or they criticize the church and they say, oh, you must be pretty bitter or you must be angry or you must have got mm. really hurt and you're holding resentment in your heart or whatever. You know what? Yeah. That's totally valid for a while. I wouldn't want yeah. to live there. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's times mm. I am angry. So, but there's yeah. times I'm, I make a lot of fun of it. I, times I am encouraging and other times I'm hopefully instructive and so on. So there's all kinds of mm -hmm. stuff thrown into the bag, but I'm not, obviously I could make more money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't make a lot of money doing what I do, but I love what I do. I'm passionate about yeah. what I do and mm -hmm. I enjoy my people are people who want to be spiritually independent are struggling to stay in the church or leaving or even the ministry and are struggling with their beliefs and their faith and trying to figure out how to grow. Those are my people. That's who I care about. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. you know, I could make a lot more money coaching, but mm -hmm, I'd sure. rather do what I do because I'm really hands-on helping people every day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so when the church is dropping the ball um, in terms of helping people be free or independent or to grow, I'm going to speak up. And, and so that's... So you're still a pastor of sorts. Of, yeah. That's, some people say I'm, I'm still acting like a pastor, but like, you know, that, that could be. Uh, I do care about people's spiritual growth and their journey. Yeah. I, and I also care about mm -hmm. the church. Like I've been parts of uh, churches that have been amazing, uh, safe spaces where they allowed you to be who you were, authentic, yeah. and promoted your own freedom promoted your own spiritual growth. You could disagree or not. You could participate or not. There are a few churches out there like that. I, and I think that's great. And I'd love to see more of that rather than the silencing of people, the submission of women, the exclusion of gays, LGBT people, um, you know, racism, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's why I keep challenging the church. You know what? You could be an awesome safe space for people. Instead, you're this, you know. So that's why, that's why I do what I do. So I, what I see in your work is um, the old metaphor of holding up a mirror. You know, you just sort of like saying, "This is what you look like to society," and it's got a real, like the 
biblical understanding of prophecy where it's like the prophet comes in. Mm. He lives outside the city, that's outside right. the gates, and, and then he comes in and slams the yeah, king. You're doing like this wrong, this wrong, yeah, this wrong. It's this Nathan wrong. coming in to David and saying, you know, telling him a story about how he slept, you know, somebody stole something that wasn't his, and then, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's saying, David, that I'm talking about you. It's sort of like that. This is where I see your work. Would you agree with that? Or, well, um, I, I don't want to call myself a prophet because we all know what happens to prophets. <laughs> and, and, uh, well played, yes. and, um, but I do, I do feel responsible to speak truth to power and speak up against abuse and speak up against the silencing and the submission of women or the exclusion of gay LGBTQ people or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like I feel I can't be silent about that stuff because I kind of have a special, um, I've, I've got some like passes because I was a pastor for 30 years. So I, I'm not just some guy bitching about the church. Like I've been there and yeah, I was right in it. So I've got some experience uh, and uh, some authority because I've been there, done that. And, and I know what I'm talking about. I've, I not only was a victim of that, I perpetuated that kind of culture too sometimes. So um, that's why I think what I'm doing is, it's pretty unique. I think there's some other people doing it, but I, I just feel every day, guys, every day I hear from people who are either really pissed off at what I'm doing or they're, they're, very, they're very grateful. Uh, they feel like they're not alone. They're not going crazy that they, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. they're valid. Yeah. So it sounds like this work that the, that churches and religion is generally set up to do, which is help people spiritually grow, be a safe space for people to help people. This work is for something that you notice is necessary, but then you notice that the system you were within wasn't doing that. It wasn't it's a safe restrictive. Space. It yeah. wasn't helping people. It was excluding people. And so your work now is very much in the same vein, it sounds like. You're opening yourself up to assist people with the same sorts of things that you might have done as a formal pastor within an institution. It, so is all, all of your work is now fits under that umbrella? Pretty, pretty much. Like I, I have three yeah. kids. They're all adults now, but I would never, ever, 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 ever want to raise teenagers again. It was the worst time of my life. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the hardest part of my life. I mean, I love my kids dearly wow. and, and we laugh yeah. about it now, but I was, that was the most stressful period of my life because they were trying to discover their own independence. They were trying to figure out how to be adults, how to be independent from their parents how to be separate humans, develop a, a life of their own. And, and it was just constant. Oh, it was, just, I, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to go through that again. So when anybody has teenagers, I'm like a very sympathetic. Wow. <laughs> but see, that's the problem. The pro that's the problem with the church. The church is great at helping people grow until uh -huh. they turn into teenagers spiritually where they want to figure oh, out metaphor. how to be yeah. themselves spiritually, how to be independent, how to be free, how to make be a unique Christian or whatever. That's when the church drops the ball and they freak out and become extra controlling. They, they, they get really controlling and, and uh, disciplining and 
trying to get people to buckle under authority and to submit and yeah. you know yeah. And as you learnt, that is not what you do with a teenager. <laughs> yeah. no, exactly, because what happens? They run away. And that's what's yeah, happening yeah. with the church. People are running away yeah, because the, yeah. there's no other way for them to be independent. Now, if a church if a church can figure out, like my wife and I, it took years, but we finally figured out how to be good parents that allowed them to become independent people. Now we're best of friends, right? But it, that, it took a really rocky season to get to that point. And the church, if it, would only, if it would only test that and experiment and try it and see, I think people would stick around more when they, when they realized, hey, I, I can still be myself and authentic and, and, and genuinely me and still be a part of a community. That would be awesome. So link me to uh, your work and your cartoons. Uh, yeah. you've why, got, why cartoons? Why cartoons? What's the goal? Is it to change minds? Is it to provoke? Is it to expose hidden taboos? Talk to me about your cartoons. Do you cartoons. just like drawing? Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was back in 2006. Uh, I, I'm an, I've always been an artist. Like Ever since I can remember, I was drawing and painting and stuff. And I, you know, I had paint nice watercolor paintings and things. And I, I, I like cartoons. And I saw some cartoons, and I thought this guy was doing cartoons that I followed on um, maybe Facebook or his blog. And um, I decided I'm going to try and start cartooning, see what happens. I said I'm going to I'm going to challenge myself to draw a cartoon every day. Um, I thought I would last 30 days, but here I am going 15 years later, still drawing cartoons almost every day. And the yeah. interesting thing is. I can draw one cartoon, just one picture, and stir up more shit than a whole <laughs> than a whole sermon can do or a whole post can do. Like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. And sometimes a picture just can convey something really, really quickly. Um, and uh, why do you think that is? What what do you think is so potent about this medium and, and the things that you're doing that that's st- like is it a good thing to to stir up all the shit so to speak okay well yeah uh shit needs to be stirred up okay it, it does it does you, you don't want it all piled up in one place uh you want it to, you want it all spread out like uh and what i mean is uh yeah you like for example the power of one picture Somebody looks at it, and whether they agree with it or not, it's too late. They've already seen it. Right. And if it's yeah. a if it's a post, and the first line says, "You know what? I'm going to talk about how uh, I think Jesus would have loved gay people." They'll say, "Oh, I don't agree with that," and they won't bother reading no, on. Thanks. But if I sure. do a picture of Jesus walking, holding hands with a gay man, yeah. it's, it's too late. That's they, yeah. it's in there. Yeah. They, yeah. They, you incepted them. Yeah. They can't unsee that. They can't unsee Jesus walking, holding hands with a gay man. And uh, so it's just. And that's, that's got to, what you're saying is that's got to force some sort of questioning into, into their, into their worldview. I hope so. That it bypasses. Hi, yeah. hi guys. I'm seeing people from Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Huh? Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's resonating with what you're saying. The stir shit up. Got a lot of hell. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, my, my, my biggest city in the world, most fans in, in terms of a city is Sao Paulo, Brazil. So hi, Brazil. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So. Must be resonating. Yeah. These cartoons are resonating. I guess very Christian Brazil, yeah, I think. Yeah, very definitely. Catholic, is it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Okay. So are, are, are you trying to, I guess, are you trying to change the minds of people that like, the, of people that view your art or is are you just happy for them to sit with an idea or like, so what's, what's sort of the end goal that you want? Okay, my, my sword has a double edge. <laughs> so, so one edge is, I want to encourage people who fall mm-hmm. in that category. And so I hear from, I hear from women and LGBTQ folk and uh, pastors or church members and stuff every day. Thank you so much for your cartoons. They mean so much to me. I don't feel like I'm going crazy. I'm not alone. Thank you. The other side is hopefully I might help uh, people change their minds. I'm not so hopeful about right. that. I mean, it, right. it takes, I, I don't, I don't really know if my cartoons are going to change people's minds uh, because in my experience and ob- observation, it usually takes a really profound experience or even a trauma for somebody to change their mind about something. Right. And, and uh, so uh, I, I hope I might help people change their mind. I hope that people are really wondering and researching and, and all that, that I might provide some information that'll be helpful, but mostly I'm, I'm doing it to encourage, I, I guess what was mm. the old line to uh, in, afflict the comfortable and comfort the oh, afflicted. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 I can, yeah. I really want to pull out the fact that like people would look at that, these cartoons, like we initially did and go, oh, wow, these are so controversial. They're obviously attacking a, a set of people. But yeah. it, the other side of the sword, as you're saying, is that, you know, someone who's gay might look at that sheep cartoon we were describing yeah. and, 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 Find go, solidarity. and go, wow, yeah. that's me. They yeah. said I could come in, but I couldn't be a deacon. I couldn't yeah. participate. I couldn't be married. I essentially couldn't play ball with the other sheep, so to speak. And so it's like when people read that, there is that sense of solidarity and like, oh, someone gets it. That is me. They can see themselves within the cartoon and that experience maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people identify with, uh, you know, they, they feel heard or seen. And and so that's that's always very encouraging to hear from people. And I really literally, I do every day. And, and so, you know, I feel I'm on the right track and I'm doing the right thing. And hopefully, uh, you know, I, I know some people will look at the cartoons and think I'm uh, harassing uh, people who want, who feel they have the biblical uh, right to exclude certain people or, ex- right. or exclude yeah. certain people from certain things. So I, I'm just going to continue to challenge that. Uh, and hopefully one day maybe, you know, something will sink in because I, I really actually, yeah, I agree. We all have different ideas and, you know, I, I have fr- family members and, and friends who think LGBTQ is people are sinful. Uh, mm. and I, I love them. So you're still very much within that Christian world yeah. even now. Well, I can't help it. They're, mm. they're my family and friends. I mean, and you know, uh, it's just everywhere but yeah, yeah. uh but you know i still think they're wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, okay yeah so tell me about you then you, you you mentioned it from earlier in the in the beginning of the episode tell me about 
your journey, what kind of Christian denomination you grew up, you were a pastor for how many years in mm. what church, mm. and and what what led you to where you are now? Was there were you a, always this heretical? Yeah, were you always a heretic, <laughs> or or was there like a gateway drug idea that got in there along your journey that began to shift you? Well, I call myself my own ecumenical movement because I've been everywhere. So I, I, okay. I when I was born, I was baptized. Uh, um, actually, I was actually baptized as an Anglican, circumcised by Anglican. a circumcised by a Jewish rabbi. <laughs> yeah, wow. and, wow. then, and then I grew up in all kinds of different churches and uh, collect them all. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. collecting the religious Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, and I I've been all through it. So that you know, and then I met Lisa. My wife at a Pentecostal Bible College. And then I went to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. Then I switched to Presbyterian, got ordained Presbyterian. Then I switched to, uh, long story short, I ended up in the Vineyard Church, which is similar. Right. You guys, okay. you guys would be familiar with Hillsong, probably. Yes. So yes. it's similar mm. to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Can you um, give us just because even for me, I've been. I grew up Protestant, Christian, Adventist, and working out the difference between all these different Protestant <laughs> religions. What's like, as you're moving through, what was the main takeaway of the difference that you moved from? Like, these guys were about this, and then I moved to this, and they were about... What was their, like, their okay. point of difference, cool I guess? message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, where, where my, my real... Um, where I really started participating in my spiritual journey was when yeah. I came to faith in a Baptist church uh, at a young people's group when I was like 15 or 16. That's when I got born again. So the ba- that's the, what the Baptist was for me, was Bible-believing, born-again Christian. And so then, they're very, uh, would you say, more conservative, oh, literal Bible reading, rules-based? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. okay. And then nod there. <laughs> Pentecostal is all that plus charismatic miracles, you know, all that Speaking weird in stuff. Yeah, speaking in tongues. Right. And then yeah. Presbyterian for me was theology. It was real depth. Uh, and I still, my favorite theologian is still Karl Barth from Germany, um, right. et cetera, So et cetera, what's et the so. difference then between, because I guess Baptists would say, you know, we're heavily theological. Uh, but then you're saying Presbyterian is like more depth to it. What, what then is the difference between like the theology reading of the Bible? Well, the Presbyterian would take a more liberal approach, less, okay. less, right. less literal, less literal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, yeah. no charismatic miracles or right. oh, or none, none of that. Yeah. And okay. and then uh, and then I ended up in the Vineyard, which is basically uh, evangelical and theology and sort of Pentecostal charismatic and experience. And rock music in worship. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I actually enjoyed the vineyard very much until I didn't anymore. Okay. So, yeah. so were you a, were you a pastor of like yeah? For which the church vineyard, were you or? pastor of? Uh, vineyard yeah. when I left the ministry. I left the ministry. Yeah, okay. I left the ministry in two thousand and ten, uh, and it was a great church. Uh, loved it. Had a great leadership team. The worship was amazing. You know, the the music was amazing. A great sense of community, and uh, I just I really loved it. But what happened was I realized I could no longer grow freely without people getting upset and thinking that I was somehow right 
uh, backsliding, that I was losing my calling, that I'd lost, you know, I no longer believed in God or whatever, all this kind of thing. So I just yeah. knew my time was up. I was starting to get letters of concern from other churches and pastors and my leaders. And, uh, and so I knew my time was up and within a year I was gone. So that was in March, actually, of 2010. So your movement, I'm hearing, let's, I'm just trying to channel into the, the, the triggered person that may be listening as you move from different uh, religious denominations, what was the reason you, you moved between them where they might say, oh, you're just shopping around for what suits you. What would you yeah. say to that? Amen. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, isn't that why anybody goes to any no church? No argument. That's why anybody goes to any church. Well, I guess the counter is is they'd be like, no, no, it's not about you. It's about you know the you, truth. You have to find the truth yeah. and not 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 a truth that makes that's you happy. You happy. Right. It's yeah. what makes God happy, I yeah. suppose. Maybe that's a right. That well, presents the <laughs> argument. I was I was kind of kidding, but the the truth is, uh, I I always gravitated towards churches where I felt free to to be me and free to grow. And so when right. I was in the Pentecostal church, I, I, I obviously hit a brick wall there. I couldn't grow any, any further there. I was in seminary and I was being stretched beyond the, what I felt Pentecostalism could provide at that time. So that's when I sort of tripped into the Presbyterian church and got into reformed theology, uh, fell in love with it. Uh, the Presbyterian church offered to ordain me. I got ordained. I served the Presbyterian church for many years, but I missed the... The passionate worship and all that of the right. Pentecostal yeah. church, but I didn't want to go back to that. And so yeah. we found a happy medium in the vineyard, which I felt at that time was very, had a very open future, was very forward looking. Uh, the music was great. Uh, the sense of community was powerful, wasn't as legalistic and all that. And and I felt really at home there for a while. And and so when so I moved, sure. yeah, I moved grow. around. I moved around yeah. to where I felt I could grow, and I think that's totally legitimate. What was um What were some of the questions then? Because you sort of said that at the point when you left the like being a pastor and left the church, so to speak, um, you had questions that you couldn't like you could no longer grow any further within that confine. And um, I'd like to explore like what what were some of those questions and yeah, Jason Tree, Jason Tree, friend of the show, just yeah. wrote in. Um, what that. were your points of growth that you couldn't grow? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into it, guys. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just one or two. You don't have to do them all. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to do them all, we got time to. Well, yeah, yeah. How <laughs> long you got? <laughs> yeah. In two thousand and nine, I had this powerful kind of vision or dream i forget i was lying on my bed i don't know if i was asleep or awake but i saw these waterfalls it was a powerful image and what i took from that meaning the meaning i got from that was that we are all connected in that uh, I, I to make a long story short i'm going to tell you what i came out of that with i just had this powerful sense that we are all one that we're all connected and that all that seems to divide us are our thoughts, our ideas, and our language, and that's all it is. There's only one reality. There's only one reality, but we each have a different spin on it, a different understanding of it. And then we try to articulate it in our own way, our own language, our own conditioning. Mm. And so 
that's what makes it seem like there's such division when in fact there's just one reality with all kinds of interpretations of that. And so I felt right. immediate peace of mind and I started to try to unwrap that uh, in my blog and so on. And people were reading it and everything. And that's what started getting me in trouble was because I felt I kind of had this mystical explosion of my theology and that uh, I felt complete peace of mind that I'd been striving for for so many years. And it was finally, I was finally experiencing this peace of mind, the sense of oneness and sense of unity with all people. And that, uh, you know, I started speaking about this, you know, and that, that God isn't, God isn't some old white guy sitting up on a throne in heaven that, uh, like even the verse God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, that idea of reconciliation, of wholeness, of oneness, of here-ness, of now-ness, it was profound. It was really profound. And so I was... So you had some really deep, profound experience... That changed your the, perspective. That changed your perspective on your like theology. Yeah, right. And that was was that the central idea you would say? Like that gateway drug idea that yeah. led to everything else? Well right. for that was my gateway drug for leaving the ministry. The gateway drug for me to start my deconstruction happened years ago in seminary was when I started questioning the uh, inerrancy and infallibility and inspiration of scripture. This is a very common very gateway common drug. I, I I assumed um we we always have a bit of a running joke on the show that Rob Bell is a is a common gateway drug for people into yeah. well this way of your thinking and talking right now. Yeah. And I but but the but the thing is I think it, it isn't Rob Bell. It's that in a lot of his writings and work he he opens the crack of the door to say, hang on, yeah. this might not be How literal. Are you reading this? It might yeah. not be like a, a, a literal history. It might be another way. And you've kind of said that similar trend as well. So yeah, right. yeah keep going on that. Yeah. So seminary, I was reading this book that wasn't even on the syllabus. I don't know why I was reading the book. I think I fell across it uh, in a Harvard Square bookstore and I picked it up and I read it and it, it actually threw me on my ass. Like it was really devastating because I up to that point was a literalist pretty much that means like the earth was created in six literal days Noah there was a no, legit I, flood I was relaxed on that and Jonah and the whale and all that kind of stuff you know I was relaxed okay. on that right. kind of stuff okay. but for me it, it it this sort of was a um, critique of the historical Jesus and going, what did he say? And what did he not say? What did he do? What did he not do? Oh, this is a next level biblical literacy thing. Oh my God. Like it was, it was devastating. And so that was like the thin end of the wedge. That was way back in seminary. And it just, yeah. it was just like a, a, a virus in my software that just eventually. And so you left it. No, I didn't leave it. It was there and I had to deal with it. And so I, 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 I began this sort of spiritual journey that I carried with me all through my ministry. And I was meditating. Hmm. I was contemplating. I was meeting with spiritual directors. I was meeting with counselors. I was meeting with monks and priests and Buddhists. And I was wow. uh, reading all kinds of books trying to figure this out. That's a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> and so that by the time this dream I had happened, this mystical explosion thing. Um, I was ready to throw in the towel. I was completely frustrated. It's like, there's no, 
point in trying to figure this out. It's impossible. I was ready to throw in the towel in complete frustration. And then when this yeah. thing happened, it all, like a puzzle, all came together. So to kind of sum up this this map, you were, you were well, I guess it sounds like a very more like liberal-minded Christian being like, hey, evolution might be a thing. I'm not too rigid on that. And then what was deconstructed was your like literal reading of, of the Jesus story um, and how you saw Jesus began to come into question and that sparked your then seeking. What was the question that you were, you were wrestling with as you were seeking, as you were seeking uh, the, the rabbis and the, and the priests and the spiritual directors? What was, the, was there a question you were asking or was there just something you wanted to be resolved? Yeah, uh, it was like, um, I remember, for example, I remember very clearly, one of my friends, she was, used to be a Christian. Um, I loved her very much, and but she was abused by her father. Mm. Um, she lost uh, a lot in her life, and she experienced just such hardship. She just questioned the existence of God. And and in, and in those days, I think it was still Pentecostal then. I was like, "Well, wait a minute. I I love her very much, and there's no way I would send her to hell just because she's struggling so much, and she can't." Uh, she, so you still believed in a literal hell at that stage? Oh yeah, yeah. And and I, I kind of the kind of thing that was happening to me was, why would God? <laughs> throw this beautiful soul into hell just because yeah. she's had such yeah. a sucky life and, you know, she can't believe that a God would allow this to happen. Why would God do that to her? And, yeah. and then, and then me meeting with these Buddhist uh, monks or, or masters and they're far better people than I am or, or, or Muslims or atheists or whatever. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't get it. Are you telling me it's up to just believing in a magic formula? I believe in Jesus Christ, my own personal Lord and Savior, and that's it? You're in? Like, and and it just didn't make sense to me. So it was all this stuff, right? All this, all these beliefs and doctrines and, and everything that I just couldn't reconcile with, you know, with my love of the Bible, because I, I did go to seminary to study scripture. I took Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all this trying to figure it out. And then, you know, I, I love the church and I love people and, you know, and I wanted to know what the truth was. And mm. uh, because I didn't think I knew it. I didn't think I had it. And I didn't think it was as simple as that. Yeah. What it, what it sounds like you're experiencing is that the more that you started to know, the more questions couldn't be answered by the old structures and the old systems anymore. And it's like the deeper you went the less those like surface level things allowed you to sit comfortably with, with your friends that you knew and loved and experienced as good people and you just couldn't reconcile like a God that would be quite happy to throw that person in hell mm. and they're just such a, like they've had a really hard life and so they can't make a lot of like religious commitments 
that's the connection that I kind of want to make as well. We, yeah. we, we spoke to an, another ex-pastor uh-huh. whose, whose name is Mike and he, he's, on, he's on the show and, and he highlighted a connection for him. He told the story of his son um, coming out gay yeah. and I asked him this question off air and I wish I asked it on air. I asked, would you have changed or grown or had any of these beliefs if your son hadn't have turned out gay? And yeah. he said no. Yeah. And it was that personal connection for him. It wasn't just that, you know, he had to change his theology around whether his son was going to hell or not. It was like that was the gateway drug, so to speak, was the personal connection. And you're articulating something very similar where it's like you have this intellectual theology, you're applying it to... It works to a a level. It works to a level and then you're applying it to a human being person and going, ah, it just doesn't fit. I I can't see it working. Well, because if you if you do abide by those beliefs and really do believe them, you see all kinds of chaos happening because your children, your your parenting is fear based because they have to believe the same thing you do. And the church, a lot of the leadership is fear based and because they don't want people like you said, the more you want to know, the more you study, the more you question and churches don't want you to do that. And. Not only because it hurts, but because who knows where it's going to end up. And and so that's why, for me, I got to that point where I was asking the questions that were just too uh, disturbing for uh, the church I was in. And you know what? I get it. That was, you were asking the question, so to speak, in, in more of like a public way. You were like... So how does this fit? And people were pushing back on that. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, uh, remember, I I was publishing these in my blog, right? So and these, when you're saying these, these are questions, questioning, right. questioning what? Just give us like one or two specific examples so people can understand uh, the the tensions you might have brought. Well, the scripture, its place, biblical inerrancy. Yeah, um, the you know, presence, is, is there a literal hell, the historical Jesus, okay. uh, yep. the, you know, God, all, everything. Big but ticket say, Christian items. Yeah. God's a big one. Up yeah. There. yeah. So, but the problem is I was writing this in my blog and I didn't think anybody in my congregation was reading my blog because they're, they're like, right. we have to listen to you every week. Why would we want to read your blog every day? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, just not that interesting, mate. <laughs> but other people were reading it and reporting yeah. to other people. And right. rumors started going around. And before I knew it, I, I was hearing that I was being talked about behind my back. And I knew my time was up. So, yeah. I was being very careful in the pulpit. What do you think they 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 struggled with when you were asking those questions? What do you what do you think it's a structural thing? Do you think it's people being insecure about certain things? Do you think it's people's fear? What is it uh-huh. that brought that tension that ultimately resulted in you leaving? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want a, a disclaimer. They loved me. Yeah, they did love me. Right. I knew that yeah. they cared. Yeah, but but this care expressed itself through. Uh, uh, feelings like what has happened to him? He's he's lost. Right. He's lost his call. He's lost his way. Yeah. The pastoral he's the pastoral anointing has lifted 
from him. Yeah, right. you know, uh, so, so they were concerned for your exactly. salvation, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they loved you so much that yeah. they didn't want to see you walk down this path. Right. N- not recognizing that it was actually making you more free and open and loving person. Yeah, and plus, uh, you know, a good church has to have a, have a good pastor. So um, yeah. they they were concerned for the church and, you know, the right. possible the direction it was going in. You know what? I always wanted sure. to know when my health and the church's health were coming to an intersection and were possibly going to crash. So right. the, the, the timing was right. It was time for me to leave. Uh, yeah. It was for the church's sake. Uh, it was good that I left at that time. And for my sake, it was good that I left at that time because my life's never been better. You've come out of it in a hel- in what sounds like a healthy space now where you don't resent it. But you said at the beginning that there was a time when you were angry when you left, when you were hurt. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, it's it's anger. The anger a lot of people feel when they leave the church, and I'm, I'm lumped yeah. into that. It's very complex because there's there's – many levels one of the anger is that i can't believe i submitted to that bullshit for so long right so is that yeah. a shame based uh, uh thing? like uh like i'm such an idiot for having believed it well or that, i should have stood up for yeah, myself i'll get or... to that so that's one level is you're angry at at the uh how you were um, abused or manipulated or coerced or duped or any of these things. Yep. The other one is that I can't believe I let that happen to myself. Right. 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 But I want, I want to encourage people who are feeling that way. And I know a lot of people do feel this way is that I can't believe I let myself submit to that for so long and that I believe that nonsense or that I let them do that to me. That's how, that's how you survive. That's just, that's a coping mechanism. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I tell people that I told people that who were abused as children is like, what? Why didn't you scream? Well, you knew it would hurt. You would get hurt. And, right. and so that, that's why you didn't scream. You, you were you're a survivor. And so a lot of people who leave the church, there's this really complex anger going on. They're angry at the church. They're angry at themselves. But there's one way to you can get rid of the anger of yourself is because you know, that, that's how you coped. That's how you survived. And look at you now. You're yeah. free now. And uh, right. you know, it's a necessary so, part of the journey, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the stages of death and dying, right? Or grief. Anger is an important right. part to yeah. you know, um, process. So where are you now? I don't know if you still live in the same community that that church existed in, but do you ever go back to churches? Do you like what's, Where do you sit with those sorts of things? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm in the same community that the church is in, which is, you know, a little bit awkward, but, uh, you know, small it's all community? right. It is a small community, yeah, but everything's cool. But that you're all Canadian. You're all super friendly in yeah. Canada, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> True. That, that church is actually closed now, sad to say. All right. Um, all right. But uh, there's another vineyard church, which is about an hour or so away that Lisa and I visit. We're friends with the pastor, the pastor's wife. And it's a great little community. We're very much on the same page in terms of how to do community and how to be, let people be free and um, independent and autonomous and self-determining. And you can go there and there's no pressure to do or be anything. You can just relax. Yeah. And 
believe it or not, you know, so it's, it's all, we, we get there when we can, we stay overnight. We, we, we meet with friends and drink wine and eat food and talk. And uh, so it's, that's where I am now. I have a, I have many friends who are theologians who have the same care about the church. And uh, have you guys had Brad Jerzak on yet? No. No, but we'd like to. But if you've yeah. got a sweet, sweet hookup for us. <laughs> yeah, so reach out to Brad. But him and I are good friends. And, and you know, we talk a lot about this struggle with uh, the reality of the church. I think when, when people start saying, we need to eliminate religion, eliminate the church, I'm like, no, 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 no. People should have the right to gather together around common beliefs and, you know, values and things right. like that. I totally believe that. Yeah. But for Pete's sake, can we please do it in a healthy manner? That's what I care about. Right. So, yeah. so you're not anti-church. Yeah. You're not anti-religion. You're not. Now yeah. you're not resentful yeah. of your Christian Laura's, upbringing. Laura's question here would be actually yeah. a good Laura, one. Laura sent through a, a uh, Laura Hutch on, on the Instagram Because we've live. established that you're not against the church and you're not against... Um, so she's asked a question. Do you still believe in a divine power or are you an atheist that hangs out with Christians? Um, I don't... I wouldn't call myself, myself a theist that there's a, a separate God out there. Okay. Like, like I was explaining earlier, I really feel That's the one reality, the yeah. one reality and that which we call God is all included in that. It's all one. Uh, for me, I'm not anxious about where God is at all. And it's just that oneness. What's the language and metaphors that you would use now? Are they, are they still Christian metaphors or have you found other helpful language? Because people would use the word God, um, but maybe you don't anymore. Yeah, well, that's the problem with a lot of this language is it comes with so much bag, baggage, right? Um, one of my favorite cartoons is uh, guys walking with God and God's carrying a whole lot of luggage. And uh, the guy says to God, uh, God, why do you carry so much baggage and he goes this is your shit not mine <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's true i think we there's just so much baggage when you use the word god so when somebody says when you do you believe in god i said well what do you mean by that there's a million ideas of what god means and and uh are i don't like the word belief anymore or faith or you know all those things because they just come with so much baggage and a lot of times those questions emerge from uh, I'm not saying they always do. Some are genuine. When somebody's genuinely curious and they want to understand, they want to know, you can tell. But if they're trying to peg you or, or figure you out so that they know whether to reject you or put not. Put you in a box. Yeah, yeah put you yeah. in a box. Then you then I have a different response for that. And, and, it's, and sure. it's something to do with human freedom is the ultimate. If somebody was pointing a gun to my head and saying, confess you're an atheist, I would say no. Because mm. I am free to be what I want. And yeah. I'm not going to say what you want me to say just to save my own life. If he was to point yeah. the gun to my head and say, confess you're a believer, I would say no. Because it's not about right. that. It's about freedom. It's about freedom. Because I think that's where the power and the eternal life and the, the ultimate and the now, that's where it is in human freedom. That's why I care so much about human freedom. Right. You're quite comfortable around church communities and you're quite comfortable around a lot of Christian language. Yes. Um, but you just, 
you want to you everything that you talk about and everything that you want to um, communicate to people has to be in the way you understand this one reality and, and the different experiences of that reality. Because the word is not the thing. When somebody says God, what what are we talking about? What's behind that word? Like, as I, if I associate too many ideas with what when I say the word God, all of a sudden all these ideas come rushing in and and cling to that word when that's not that's not the thing. The word's not the thing. The word God is not God. What's behind all that? Can we appreciate a rose? Uh, bend down and smell that beautiful red flower without the word rose and without the word fragrance and without the word, you know, all these things. Can we appreciate what is without all this language and everything? Because a lot of times the language that people are using or the reason we use language is to divide. I mean, that's not, that's, that's the whole point of the tower of Babel. Yeah. Is, is language divides. I'm hearing you push back against um, this idea of God as separate, God as out there, God as the blesser and the cursor, which is probably a picture of God painted by uh, a lot of Protestant Christianity or maybe Catholic Christianity, whether they know it or not. That if, if I mean, the, even the idea of praying to a God... I mean, they people people would also say to to try and get in the in the headspace of people who might be listening. They'd be saying, "No, no, I believe God is omnipresent. I believe God is everywhere." But then all the metaphors and things being used, and the way we interact with God, our liturgy, our practice, says that God is out there, and we must invite yeah. Him in. We must yeah. ask Him to forgive our yeah. sins. It sounds like you're we're pushing so lowly. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you're pushing back against this idea that you know what God is. God is not out there where is god then yeah is there god it's it's it just reminds me of a cartoon of mine where there's a worship leader and he's going on like worship leaders do i was one uh where he's going dear lord please come dear lord jesus please come dear lord jesus please come over and over again and jesus is standing right behind him the whole time <laughs> and it's that's what i'm that's what i'm talking about it's, it's yeah, like the, yeah. the constant begging for something that already is and, yeah, and, and yeah. one of the one a profound experience that i had one time was shed light on this whole thing and that was when i was in the presbyterian church i was very un, i'd become very unhappy i felt trapped i felt right. completely hopeless i hated it i i hated my job uh, I'd been called to plant this Presbyterian church and um, I planted this church and I thought, great, I've got a clean slate. I'm going to make this awesome church from start from scratch. Within two years, it was the most God awful church I'd ever pastored. It was horrible. I hated it. And mm-hmm. I wanted, I wanted to just out, but I, I, I couldn't figure out. I, I was totally, totally trapped. I had a wife and three young children and um I went to bed that like night completely hopeless. I woke. I had a dream that night, and all I heard was the words, "It's time." And I woke up laughing my head off. I was laughing hysterically. Lisa starts laughing hysterically. The kids come running in and jump on the bed, and they're all laughing. And Lisa's like, "What's what's going on?" I said, "We're not trapped. We're free. We can do whatever we want." And 
I, I quit. Um, we packed, we sold almost everything. We packed up our minivan with our kids and us and a few things and drove away. And we embarked on one of the most greatest adventures of our life. And what that lesson taught me was I was free the whole time. I wasn't trapped. I was afraid. I was afraid of the consequences of acting free. So the, the trap that you were in was your own fear. Like it wasn't any. It was my fear. It was like, That's right. Yeah. Legitimate fear because I had a wife and three kids. Where are we going to, where am I going to get money? Where are we going to live? Where, you know, all this kind of, what's going to happen to my future? Legitimate, legitimate fear. But at least I knew it wasn't, I wasn't trapped. I was as free as could be. And we embarked on one of the greatest, fun, freest adventures of our life. And that was a huge lesson to me that when we think, we're trapped or hopeless or that God is not here or whatever. It's all, it's not, it's not true. It's, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. And, and that, that illusion of tr the trap I was in, that's all it was, an illusion. And, and, and it was a huge lesson to me uh, that broke down that kind of uh, division between words and language and, and the, the reality. You know, if if you think God is up there and you need to invite him in somehow, well, how does that even make sense? Right? If if God is all, if God is the all in all. If you take that seriously, yeah. we now need to rethink yeah. the, the, the whole structure. The liturgy yeah, that we yeah, have, the structure yeah. that we have. I, I think it's totally possible to have liturgy that reflects that reality. I really do. Yeah. So is this how you get, like, um, bringing back to your current work, is this how you choose, like, the topics that you talk about in your work then? Like, what, uh -huh. like how do you get to the point where you're talking about, um, like, gay rights or f uh -huh. feminist ideas? Like, like, take us from these, this idea that you're at here and, like, that freedom that you found when you woke up and, and laughing hysterically after that dream like take us from there. Like, how did you then start talking about the things you talk about in your work now? So I have a, I have friends who go to a, a church that's the, like the biggest church in town, and it's got all the smoke and mirrors and lights and powerful music and speakers and everything. And it's like Canada's version of a mega church, but it's not affirming. But they want me to go. When you say affirming, you're saying inclusive for LGBTQ right. people. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm like, that would be like you asked me to go to a, a restaurant that serves whites only. I, I wouldn't, right. I, I can't do that. That's how you view it. That's yeah, how right. It. That's how I compare it. And I think yeah. it's that, I think it's that urgent. I really do. I think it's that critical. You come, come to our church. We're not affirming. That's only a minor part of our whole thing. Everything else is great. But it's like, no, it's like telling me to go to a restaurant that only serves white. So this, this is why this whole thing where I see all things as one, we're all united. It's all, our words and language seems to divide us and all that. Then all these little things where we try to divide people, LGBTQ people, keep them out, where we try to make women submit to men in the church, all this kind of stuff. It's com completely counter to this vision I have of unity and oneness, you know? That's why it motivates all that what I'm doing is the freedom of the person. If whether you're a straight white male like me or a, a gay woman or a, 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 a Baptist woman, you know, whatever, whatever you are, 
You're free. It sounds like you're drawn to the like if you put it in biblical language, it's like you're drawn to the oppressed. Like you you you're picking the topics by the most oppressed groups in society. You're looking sort of thing. for freedom. You're that's yeah. that's uh, seems to be a key turning point for you to be like this is the f- I felt trapped in this setting and I've I became free I because of this. Yeah. And then you look around and go, well, what am I going to support in my work? What am I going to do? Freedom yeah. seems to be. A, almost a metric by which you decide what what you'll do and where you'll go and what you'll draw. And yeah. now looking back at your cartoons, it does have a lot of like the theme of freedom yeah. running throughout them. Just the ones we read, the guy trapped in the church, the theology book strapped to the ground, yeah. Um, yeah. the the pearly gates. There's this there's this in and out dichotomy within, I guess, what you're critiquing. Which you're trying to break down. And you're really, in these cartoons, a lot of them, pointing to where is the freedom. Yeah. That's right. So my, my here's, here's the thing. Freedom is number one. That's where the power is. That's where reality is. When, when people act in their freedom and when people are allowed to be free and given space to be free. So when I... When I was a pastor, and I, I run an online community right now too, the same thing applies. It's called the Lasting Supper. The same thing applies. How can I be free without violating your freedom? If we can wrestle with that idea as a community, so first of all, I believe in individual freedom. I also believe in community. I love community. Community is important. It's necessary, but how can we do it in a healthy way? If we can wrestle with that question, how can I be free without violating your freedom? Then we got a healthy community or a community on the way to being healthy and functional. And you got to wrestle with that question all the time. So it's not like you just sign a statement and, and you're done. It's constant moment by moment negotiating. How can I be free without violating your freedom? How can you be free without violating mine? And that's how you make a healthy community. So yeah, it's all about freedom. And it's an ongoing question that you're embedding within within everything. You mentioned uh, towards the top of the show, you get a lot of hate and you uh-huh. get a lot of like angry people. Talk to me about the haters. What, what have you experienced? What do you experience? Uh-huh. And how do you see them? Yeah. yeah. So it, that's, that's a hard one. There's different kind of haters though. So there's some mm-hmm. haters who are like trolls um, and they just, they just want to welcome to the internet. Trouble. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. as, as soon as I recognize somebody's a troll, I just like ignore them or block them or whatever. Uh, I, I have no problem doing that at all because they're disrupting a conversation or a community. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. block just like that. No problem. But there's some people that come on and they're just, they're just really, you know, in their beliefs, they really believe their beliefs and uh, they're angry with what I'm saying. And, you know, they have something to say. Now there's two, two kinds of these people. One is rude where they're like, you are an idiot and, and you're going to hell and, you know, and God hates your guts and you're a false prophet and you're leading people to hell. And, you know, they're really, they, they're really rude and hateful. And the other kind are like still strong and opinionated, but they're not rude. And I like those people, even though we strongly disagree, even though we strongly disagree, they're still 
they're still like, you know, I don't agree with you. You're allowed to believe what you believe, but man, I, I don't believe, I don't agree with you, man. You're wrong. I'm like, okay, let's, yeah, and, and we'll talk. And I, there's a lot of people where I'm like, you know what? I actually like that woman, even though she's, you know, really uh, doesn't like what I say or like what I do, but I, I like her, you know? Um, and maybe one day down the road, uh, we'll, we'll be closer together emotionally, you know, rather than by beliefs, whatever. But, you know, so, uh, yeah, there's different kinds of haters. The one is the trolls. I ignore them. And then the other two are the ones who really disagree. The rude ones, they're, they're nasty. You can tell they're nasty. And uh, they, they just got some issues. Maybe they need to see a therapist. And then there's other ones who aren't rude. They're just believing what they believe and um, challenging me on it. And that's okay. Right. I always never really took it seriously, the, the whole Jesus ethos of love your enemies. But hearing you hearing you like talk very practically about you're your public figure, you're on Instagram, you're putting your work out there, you get feedback from a lot of people. And, flack for it, and yeah. what I'm hearing from how you describe the three different types of haters you get, uh -huh. on, on some level, I'm hearing like this ability now you've learnt to kind of love the haters. Like even, yeah. even though you'll disagree you've with that non-rude, yeah. you actually appreciate it on some level and, and enjoy okay. the engagement on some level if it's, if it's healthy. Well, I have something to say about that. I don't think Jesus' def definition of love was necessarily an emotional feeling, like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Love was an love is an action. So when when I love my enemies, what that means is I don't seek revenge. I don't try to hurt them or shame them. I don't try to silence them. I don't try to exclude them. Uh, love is attempts to be inclusive, respectful, um, allows the other person to be in their freedom, even though they might be wrong or even though you might disagree with them. Uh, and so that's, that's what love is. Uh, love is uh, allowing that other person to be who they are and, uh, you know, still uh, being in the same world with them. In the old, old days, in the ancient days, if you had an enemy, you killed them and ate them for supper. And you want them out, you wanted them out of your life forever. And that's what hate does. Love does the opposite, where you respect the other person's dignity and their uh, right to life and to freedom, yeah. and uh, you show them that respect. That's what I think uh, loving your enemies means. So, just to kind of give, make sure we've we've given you a good right of reply of these, okay. these assumptions, we threw it we yeah. threw at you at the top. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you you care deeply for Christians. I, yeah. I, it sounds like you really care about their journey and and where they're heading, um, and. Yeah. And the whole ethos. and only commenting in areas that might be blind spots for people yeah. to improve the right. organization of whatever religion. Well, look, I, I live you. in front of a river. It's called the Cannabacasis River. It's a huge river. It's made up from many streams, and that, I compare myself to that. And ever and you guys too. We're all that. We're made up of many streams. I, I appear right now as David with, uh, and I have this certain, you know attitude and way of being and everything but it's it's made up of many many streams i've got christian in me atheist in me agnostic in me i've got buddhist in me muslim in me all kinds of streams so when when if somebody asks me if if you're a christian i say usually i say well that's my family of origin uh that's where my home is but i have cottages everywhere 
and, and uh, investment properties all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I do love, of course, I love Christians just as much as I love yeah. Jews and yeah. Muslims and atheists and so on, because everybody has a right to the table, and everybody has mm. a right to their freedom, and um, so you know, I still consider I. You know, even though many Christians might not consider me a part of the family anymore, I consider myself a part yeah. of the family, even though I might be a black sheep, but I am part of the family, I think. I'd be interested to know what, because you've obviously, you have a, an adult family now, like three kids that are not kids anymore. Um, like, what was their experience of your journey? Like, how did how did their change? How did that change oh, for kids. them? Yeah. So, and, and your so partner I, too, for that matter. Yeah, Lisa, um, like we used to be like, like, like this, like very much on the same page. And then when we went through our deconstruction and left the church and everything, we wondered if we were even in the same book and uh, wondered if we were even in the same friggin' library. But what we came to learn was that our um, love for one another is for our mutual respect. It's mutual respect. Um, I love her for who she is and who she's becoming and her, she has the same for me. So, and, and, and it's the same with our kids. Our kids have very, very different spiritual lives than we do and each other, but it's theirs. So we did good because, because they're self-determining and autonomous. They're the masters of their own destiny and the captains of their own ship. And that's what we wanted for them. Yeah. And it's not, it's not as fear-based because you're, seem driving ethos seems to be freedom rather than perhaps what it might be for some people who are Christian and have Christian families. It might be, they need to believe the same things. You're kind of saying that's not about the belief anymore. It's about, are you free? Are you on a journey? Are Are you you living your best life? Are you loving? Are you humble? Are you? I think the the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. The teachings of Jesus. uh, I think what Jesus mostly adored and talked about and nurtured was the freedom of the individual, mm-hmm. the, the freedom of the father to forgive the prodigal son, you know, the, the freedom of the shepherd to leave the 99 and look for the one. I think that's what the power, where the power is. I think we've been able to unpack. Uh, I mean, whether you agree or disagree with David, yeah, don't care. <laughs> yeah it's not the point. Not the point. Um, <laughs> hopefully we've been able to unpack some of how he sees things, how he's interpreting the Bible, how he's how his journey has led him here. And his experiences shaped the what he believed. I, there was a few good questions just coming through to finish up. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting one from uh, Tree Jason Tree. Do you see redemption of the church in the future or what would a new community look like? See, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing really dynamic community now. In, in some churches, uh, that's 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 where it's at. I mean, I wrote a book actually called uh, um, "Without a Vision, My People Prosper," talking about how important it is to just appreciate the community as it is, without trying to impose a system or a vision or a goal. Just like my family, we didn't, you know, okay, kids, line up. We're gonna, you know, meet some goals today, and we we got a vision as a family, and we're gonna be that. And your kids are going to measure up to our expectations of you. That would have ruined it. Instead, we appreciated appreciated our kids, our family for what it was, and just let it blossom like that. 
if the church is given that same kind of space, powerful. So you're saying it, yeah, you think it is possible within the church and you're, and you're seeing it there as I, well. I've, I've seen it and experienced it, yeah. Special special shout out to Susanna of Canada. David, who are these hotties you're talking, you're speaking with? Uh, well, thank you. I, uh, you know. What about me? <laughs> she, I think she meant, who are these other hotties? Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> and from, from Taylor Wacker, friend of the show, where did you find healthy community after church life? Did yeah, you, good question. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good question. That is a really good question because I the, the, church, the church's greatest asset is its ability um, to offer authentic community. If only, if only more would. So when people leave the church, they experience real loneliness. And it's a real thing. Lisa and I did too. And so we had to really work hard at building friendships. But it's not the same as getting together with yeah. a bunch of group of people, sharing music and ideas and babysitters and car mechanics and potlucks and uh, events at the church. Like, yeah, it's, it's, that's a tough one. For sure. Oh, and here's somebody here. Here's somebody here asking about is the area my husband and I struggle most and desire it desperately. Uh, can I respond to that? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Go, go nuts. One of the things I see happening, and I saw it in Lisa's and my marriage after we left the church, was our marriage went through a real rocky spell for about two years. We almost didn't make it. And um, so I see that a lot in marriages where couples really, really struggle. I'm not saying this is you necessarily, the person who made that comment. Um, but, uh, uh, where couples really, really do struggle with this deconstruction thing. And so, uh, actually I'm coming out with a book, uh, on, on this very issue on marriage and deconstruction. And my word to you is just keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, and you'll make it like, I want you guys to make it. If you guys love each other and, uh, you know that the love is still there and is still real you'll get through this storm, but it is going to be a storm. So you need to strap yourself to the mast and wait it out and, and you'll make it. Lisa and I did. Yeah, it sounds to me like um, it's not ignoring the questions, but it's actually sitting with the questions together that actually kept you two uh, as a couple. Is that what I'm hearing? Good. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Uh, just communication is key. Communication is key. Yeah. And always remember, listen, when Lisa and I fell in love, I was 21 and she was 18. I didn't fall in love with her beliefs, to be honest with you. Right. The yeah. first thing I saw mm. when I saw Lisa was not her belief system. Right? Right. She's this gorgeous girl from Alabama that I you know. She was, you know, and still is extremely beautiful. And that's what I fell in love with. And, and her her personality, her, her, her character. I just loved it. And her beliefs are kind of like yeah. ripples on the surface of a very deep sure. water. And so mm -hmm. if you guys can remember that in your marriage, the beliefs are just kind of ripples on the surface. What you really love about the person is deeper than that. It, you're, you, you fall in love with the person who has those beliefs. You don't fall in love with the beliefs. In fact, my post today is exactly about that. I wrote about that today. We've got these beliefs that are always growing and changing. And then a lot of people resonated with the comment and questions around community. Where do we find community? And then how do we 
man- navigate a transition of something that we were told would be permanent, our belief. How do we navigate that in our community relationships, but also our personal relationships? It sounds like what, you, what you're describing is just an ongoing, like, you can hope, you can hope for it, lean into it, and, you, and you'll get through it, but it will be a challenging season on a personal front and a community front. Well, you've always you've always got that choice ever you can and most of us can remember the first time where we said to our parents or whatever i don't agree i'm gonna go my way not your way i got i have to go my way and you you have to make that choice every day so that and you'll get the same response every day um please don't please don't you know or you're being rebellious or you know you're being stupid or you're being selfish or whatever every day. I was just talking with somebody today who's in high school and wants to make her own choices. And I'm like, okay, fasten your seatbelt because this is what adulthood looks like every time, every time I want to live my own life. And you're going to have people try to oppose that all the way through your life. I'm, 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 I'm getting up there guys. And I still have people trying to rope me in. Right. So that's if you want to be free, you got to stay free. It's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. Yeah, I think it, that's an interesting thing. Um, we, we always look back. I was just I was throwing a tantrum over something. My, my computer probably wasn't working. And I was talking to Cam about it. And I was like, I just kind of realized that I'm I feel like I'm the same teenager that rebelled against my mom and dad being like, because I hated it. Don't tell me what to do. Don't like, don't, yeah. I'm now, I was deliberately reckless because mm-hmm. they were overly cautious. And so I dislocated shoulders and did dumb things. Um, but I think you, I can look back and go, oh, I've changed. I'm responsible now. No, I don't think I have changed. I've just got no one telling me what to do. <laughs> and so I'm not rebellious anymore. Yeah. Yeah. My environment has stopped telling me what to do. And then every now yeah. and then... <laughs> When I throw a tantrum, that's, that's when something's that's just true. outside of my control. And I threw more tantrums when I was a teenager because yeah. something else was trying to control me more. there were more things more. that were controlling you. So, I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know if I've grown up. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love it now because, you know, even though people are constantly trying to correct me, I, I feel very free. David, thank you so much We've for really being so generous your, with your time. Your time, your vulnerability, your openness. Your honesty with your yeah. journey. Um, if you have any questions, I'm sure David is open to answer yeah. things if you can reach out to him yeah. if you want to catch this yeah. this recording it'll be on the, uh, on the podcast you keep an eye on the instagram page and it'll we'll let have you to know. do a friday night live as well yeah. so that we can come and talk back on cool. these ideas that we've explored with david so i don't know if timelines or yeah. uh, time zones will meet up and we might be able to get you back but we'll just have to see how it goes yeah yeah have me back anytime i enjoyed it thanks guys and th- thanks everyone for listening it's been great Good to see some friends too. Yeah. Yeah, from all over, like Estonia yeah. and all sorts of places. So if you have any questions, you can send them through to ideasdigest at gmail.com as an email, or you can DM us. If you're still watching live, keep an eye on our Instagram page. You'll see upcoming live recordings as we put them out. Just go and rate and review us. Rate and follow review the podcast. Us, like us. Give us a follow. Whatever. Yeah. Tell us who you want want us to hear from. Yeah, ask, ask questions. And remember, the idea isn't to find people we always agree with. Yeah. 
Uh, we'd love to find someone who is the exact opposite to David. If we could find the people that kicked him out of the church, I'd yeah. love to talk to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Because they have a valuable perspective that we need to learn from too. Yeah, there's yeah. something to be learned and there's something to be understood for sure. So yeah. hopefully you're around the practice of the podcast, which is just listening to people we might disagree with or be triggered by. So thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Laters.